Today we have Lior Weinstein on the show. Are you tired of the same boring tasks taking up all your time? AI is transforming how we work and how we think in real estate and in every industry with amazing new tools being developed every day that allow you to take advantage of increased productivity. With Lior Weinstein's expertise, learn about how AI can end tedious manual work while boosting business performance. Hear firsthand advice about why this technology should be part of every investor's toolkit. In this episode, you will learn how AI is a reasoning machine, not a fact machine. How AI will impact all industries, including real estate. The increased productivity that AI brings. And how AI will end boring work. I'm Darren Batchelder, ex-corporate guy turned business owner and real estate investor. It wasn't long ago that I was searching for a new way to provide for my family. Dreaming of finding a way to achieve both financial freedom and freedom of my time. Fast forward through many learning lessons and you'll see the business and the real estate portfolio I have today, which changes lives and gives me so much more freedom. The freedom that I thought only existed as a dream. My wife and I have invested in over 9,000 multifamily units and it all started with a duplex. If you are a C-level executive or other high net worth individual with at least $50,000 to invest and you're looking for alternative assets to help preserve your family's capital, build your wealth, and save on your taxes, then you've come to the right place. I developed a way to invite others to invest in our deals, not available anywhere else, and do the same thing I've done. To get started, book your discovery call today at calendly.com forward slash dbatchelder. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Lior Weinstein before we start the show. Lior lives in Atlanta with his wife and three kids. Lior is a serial entrepreneur and an expert resource in AI and performance-based marketing. He's built four companies and exited two. Lior's specialty is in simplifying complex concepts into actionable steps that drive effective results in the form of digital products, traffic generation, conversion, and software engineering solutions. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Lior Weinstein on the show. Lior, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, just a little bit on how we know each other, and then uh, we'll get into it. So Lior and myself are both part of a mastermind group called the Genius Network. Um, and we met there uh, last month, and Lior just has a ton of knowledge with AI. And AI is such a hot topic now. I asked him to come on the show to, to share, you know, what he's seeing in the space and how we can apply it in the uh, multifamily space. So with that, I wanted to 
ask Lior, you know, he's also invested in real estate. So I wanted to have him share, you know, where he's invested in real estate and what his plans are going forward. And then we will spend more time talking about AI. So with that, Lior, can you share with the listeners, you know, where you're invested right now, kind of what your plans are for the future uh, as far as real estate, and then we'll get into the AI discussion. Perfect. Yeah, I'm... um... Um, uh, principal in a few deals in the short-term rental space. Specifically, we're actually using uh, a lot of AI to do a data play on finding the types of deals. And we're looking for areas where we can have some inefficiency on the cost of operations of the property, where the revenue is pretty similar to other markets. I'll give uh, an example of that. Uh, meaning the you know insurance cost is a quarter of another similar market, or the cleaning costs are half than another similar market, while the the actual traffic um, and and the potential equity value appreciation in the market is still relevant. So one of the areas we're looking right now and we're very active in is in Palm Coast in Florida. And just to frame it, if you're on if you're on the beach in Florida, like in Destin or on the South Florida beach beaches, your insurance costs are going to be you know eight thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars, especially with what happened over the past year. In Palm Coast, it's twenty two hundred. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, so you're like 15 minutes away from the beach, you know, but you're a quarter of cost of insurance. Uh, cleaning cost in a competitive market like West Palm or Destin would be, you know, 350, 300 for a house. Our cleaning cost is 175, uh, which adds up, right? That that's how you make the margins. So we have an opportunity still in those markets to get 20 plus cash on cash returns, even with a property management cost including in that. And because we do our own property management, when I say we, I mean, we establish our own centralized property management for all the properties that we own, um, then we we can make 25, 28% cash on cash before any appreciation takes in place, even with the 7% plus interest rates that we're paying for the properties. That's crazy cash on cash. I mean, in, in our world, in the multifamily syndication world, you know, we're typically talking five to 8% cash on cash and, you know, double, you know, double your equity in, in three to five years, you know. Um, but a bulk of it comes from the exit, right? That's and, right. And so that, those are huge cash on cash returns. So before we get into AI, what was your background prior? Uh, I am originally from Israel, so I moved to the States 12 years ago, so born and raised in Israel. Uh, technology guy, you know, I, I've, I've been interested in, in money and value creation since I was a very young kid. I started trading stocks when I was in about fourth grade. Um, started my first company, like an actual, like the equivalent of an LLC when I was 14. And, wow. Um, and I've been kind of going at it ever since. I was had a big affiliate marketing business, ran a lot of traffic in the early and mid-2000s. I went on to develop high-frequency trading algorithms for a large hedge fund uh, for a couple of years, then built technology companies, uh, built four, exited two. Um, the focus is always, I've, I've, I've always lived between the CTO side of the universe because I started and was exposed to coding from a very early age, but marketing as well. So um, my world of marketing is more performance marketing, running traffic as opposed to brand marketing. Um, and, and I live between those two things. I'm, I think I'm like most entrepreneurs. I like takeoffs more than I like landings, <laughs> uh, you know, zero to one, let me create. I'm a very creative guy and I love business. 
Uh, and I'm very curious, so it doesn't matter to me if we're innovating in the trash hauling space or real estate or some neural network. Uh, so as long as I get the chance to build new stuff and, and kind of have a vision and do some kind of a Cambrian explosion in a new market, then, then I'm happy. Uh, and then my, my, my other, now I have three young kids, uh, currently seven, four, and two. I live with my wife. I've been together for about 16 years in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, currently. Um, and a, a lot of my business life is oriented around how can I create cool things with great people while having a great family life. So balancing those things out as opposed to when I was a young gun working 18 hours a day. You're you know, still pretty young. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, younger gun. <laughs> <laughs> so AI, I mean, you can't, you can't watch the news or read anything without hearing about AI and, you know, you shared at the mastermind, you know, with, with a bunch of different people here, um, you know, what you're seeing in AI, can you share just, you know, first start at, at the, you know, 30,000 foot level, like how is AI impacting every industry today? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very happy this is happening right now. And I, and I'm generally in the category of, you know, tech adopters and, and passion and optimist about tech. I'm not, I'm not in the technophobia category. So that, that's a big caveat to this conversation because depending on who you talk to, right. uh, most of the stuff you either listen about, you know, grimacing and how the world is going to end uh, versus- Some people uh, are really scared at what, what's coming. Some people right. are really scared. But I would say, you know, you have uh, news clippings from the 1800s about, you know, the industrial revolution and how people were like, everything is going to replace humans and- uh, and historically, that never happened. I mean, that 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 was always more beneficial than uh, anything negative. Uh, it, AI is very different, though. I would say this particular revolution, because not just the advancements in terms of the core technologies, but the products. Meaning, you have a lot of science, you know, over the years that gets discovered that's profound, right? Like Nobel Nobel Award winning type science. But the translation from that core innovation to a product people can use takes a long while. You know, the, the first digital, you know, camera actually was in, invented within Kodak was in, I think, late 70s, something like that. The first kind of few pixels, right? But before that turned into a digital camera that completely destroyed, you know, f the film industry in, in that perspective, uh, took decades. Like it took a long while. And AI is not dissimilar. People have been working on AI challenges, let's say maybe since the 50s or 60s. Oh, wow. Uh, um, uh, forgot if it's really 50s. It's definitely 50s or 60s, but maybe even uh, as early as the 50s. Uh, and literally calling it artificial intelligence, meaning artificial intelligence research, like proper, the same things you would hear people talk to now, that's how they were talking then. So it's not, you know, it's one of these things that overnight success that took, you know, 70 years, right? right? Uh, because now not only the technology matured, but the product unlock, you know, for the use case has been discovered. So I've been, you know, using AI tools. And when we say AI in this particular context, I mean the type of AI that leverages neural networks. So the same uh, basic concept that most AI systems have. And that's different than machine learning. And we can talk about that as well if it's interesting. Uh, a little bit different than machine learning. Um, I've been around for, for many years. I've been using those, say, in the computer vision uh, category since, again, the, the 2000s. 
uh, in financials, also been existent for a very long time. But what had happened with OpenAI and then successfully building up GPT and eventually launching ChatGPT and with their GPT 3.5 model, now GPT 4, is that it's relevant for anyone to use. And that's incredible. If you wanted to use artificial neural networks in whatever productized form a few years ago, you needed to be a developer. Uh, and if it, not necessarily an expert developer, but you need, you need to be able to run code and, and also have a use case where that type of impact and computing insight actually changes something, like make something better, faster, you know, cheaper. Uh, but with a product like ChatGPT, because they, they used a large language model, which is a type of it, it's one type of AI that's different than image generation, that's different than music, that's different than video, right? All these things are getting lumped together right now, but they are pretty distinct technologies. Um, it's incredibly useful because it uses basic language that you, anybody can use at any different level. Now, if you think about human productivity, um, First of all, let's maybe go back, you know, about what, what money is uh, without going into a crypto conversation, which we can <laughs> as well. Um, the only value of money for you, for Darren, the person, is what it can do for you when you give it to other people. There's no other, there's nothing, you can, you're not going to exchange of value. Yeah, you're not going to pay yourself, right. right? Like if you clean your house, if you, you know, code your own thing, you're not paying yourself. Right. There's nothing... There's no point in taking your own money and paying it to yourself. The only value you can derive from money is to give it to other people to do something for you, right? To build you an iPhone, to clean your house, to whatever it is. Uh, you know, give you a pita with falafel. Uh, that's the only value of money. And the, the only, not the only, the by far the only way we communicate with each other, or the most common one, uh, to value exchange is through language. Right? I call you and ask you for things. I text you. I write you an email. I post something. I use language to activate other humans. If it's by request, if it's that's how I give them value, if that's how I get value from them, I use language. And with a large language model technology like this, that's super accessible, you can already start to imagine, well, by definition, if this makes any language better, any language communication better, and we can talk about all the ways it can, it means it literally touches any value exchange, or nearly any value exchange uh, that humans have, certainly the most common ones. So if you think about your day in the life of you listener, wake up in the morning and all the things you do for yourself, you know, you go uh, make yourself breakfast, whatever. These are the things you do for yourself. But as soon as you talk to anyone, <laughs> as soon as you engage with another human, language comes into play. Because you're articulating your thoughts in a linear way, right? You're putting them in a sequence, putting them in an order of words in whatever language you're using right now to convey to another person because you want something from them. You want them to know <laughs> something or you want them to do something, right? right? That, that's what you're doing. As soon as that gets uh, into play for your day, then a large language model can do it better. I'm laughing by better being, because yeah. like I'm thinking like as you're saying that, like I... So my wife and I have been, you know, we've been married 20 some odd years and, and, but we've, you know, during different times we've been to counselors. Right. And, and I, and I remember thinking to myself, like, can I just have an app so that I, the, I can say what the counselor is telling me to say at the right time, because 
I always goof, right. goof it up, right? And, you know, so that's just like a thought, like a personal relationship. But, you know, that communication happens with how you talk to customers, how you talk to, you know, new, new prospects, people. customer service, all of that is communication. That's right. And, and when I give talks about this, about ChatGPT, and I kind of say, I have this talk I give right now about AI models and methods, how to think and use AI so you don't have to, uh, so you can scale and do less busy work, right? Uh, scale without hiring and do less busy work. And I basically say, you know, in that talk, I start to say, hey, this is not going to be a 20-minute flashbang of all the ways you can use ChatGPT. Because one, you can go to YouTube and TikTok, and that changes every day. And to be honest, that's more entertainment than education. Because your ability to ingest 50 examples, right, and then retain it and put it into practice and retrieve it when you need to is, is generally limited to just not relevant. So most of my talk is focused on helping people think about this better. Because if they know how to think about this better, they can take advantage of it with whatever tools comes into play in the, your industry. So you're in real estate. It, it's not very helpful for me to show you how, you know, to build a grant proposal for a government grant. Right? Most likely. Right. Uh, uh, maybe marketing, maybe it is relevant, but it's not relevant for me to teach you the performance marketing side of how these tools can be used because you're not in the performance marketing space. Uh, but maybe some marketing, maybe you're doing like a, a, a podcast intro, right? Uh, or you're building the landing page about a deal, right? You're trying to explain to people, again, communicate with your investors. You're marketing a new syndication or maybe you're uh, giving them investor updates and you want a certain tone. You want it to be more formal because it's not so good news or you want it to be more informal because it is good news and so on and so forth. So like any single communication activity, these tools can accelerate and make better because you have, it's like having a 200 person IQ right. <laughs> available to you in pretty much anything that le requires language. And the rate of performance change and how better these tools are on a weekly basis is, uh, is second to none. So I was saying the difference with these tools or these set of technologies versus other explosions of technologies that we've seen in the past is the rate of adoption. And that's generally when you have people that are more on the technophobia side and they're fearful about jobs getting displaced or replaced and so on. Uh, the big context there is time, right? So when, uh, you know, digital word processors go, oh, let's talk about computers. Uh, people don't, most people don't know before computers came, there were humans that their job title was computer. <laughs> that was your job title. You computed. You said that whole staffs in NASA, you sat with a pen and paper and computed. That's what you did. And then machines that did that came on and they were called computers because they did what the other computers did. Right. So any same thing, ATMs, automated tellers. Right. Um, because you had tellers. Right. And now you have automated teller machines. Right. Uh, so every time you have this new introduction of technology, it takes a while for that adoption to come in and, and the transition uh, from a pure economic perspective. So when we talk about mass population and so on, has been very positive, very, very positive uh, overall. With this particular set of technologies, the adoption rate, because it's 2023, internet is available to nearly anyone in the world for cheap, you know, for generally little to no money. And news spreads fast. Bad news spread faster, unfortunately. <laughs> but news spread fast. 
and you're and because the product is very simple to use it's a chat most people you know know how to chat and certainly in the internet space chats have been around since you had uh, uh, terminals and uh, IRC if people uh, uh, remember that internet relay chat um, it's an interface that's very easy for anyone to use. Even my seven-year-old can use a chat interface, and, and he, he does. So because the technology is accessible, one, very widespread. It spread very quickly. You know, fastest-growing product in history. Million users in five days, more than 100 million in 60 days. That, that's crazy. No, nothing even came close, right? The most viral app you can think of didn't come close to this. Certainly not a viral, quote-unquote, company like a Facebook and so on. So fastest growth in history, and it's super cheap. So a lot of people, just to give you a sense, even with the expensive models right now, and, and models, you can think about it like the core technology driver of, of the system that you're using, uh, the cost for me to use it, meaning as a developer, if I wanted to use the API, so they're giving me a basically retail kind of cost. So not their cost, my cost to pay them to do the thing. It's about two cents for 7,000 words. Oh. That's like a book for a dime. You know, you can write a whole book for a dime. And that's, again, quote unquote, retail, right? Meaning I can, you can run your credit card right now and pay them and get access to that. So the cost is so dramatically cheap. And we're talking in May 2023. I can't even imagine, you know, even in August, if people hear this, uh, you know, months from now or a year from now, the cost is probably going to 10x down. Right. Uh, so the economic opportunity of leveraging the technology is unprecedented. So and the, the, let me let me jump in because I think that like there's certain people that are really getting into it, and there's certain people that either haven't even tried it, or yeah. I think a lot of people have gotten on and tr just fooled around with it, and they're like, "Wow, that's really cool." But you know, so here's the deal, and I probably fall into that that category is is you know you can go to what is the website? Is it just Chat GBT? Yes. Uh, right now, the the product ChatGPT yeah. uh, is um, created uh, by OpenAI, right? OpenAI is a company. I think chat.openai.com. I don't want to open the. Yeah. So I mean, if you Google that, you you go to it. There's a free, you know, um, page that you can sign up for. It requires you to 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 sign up, um, but then you can put in just simple queries and it is crazy what comes back and so then you know what leor is working on with with people is really taking that to a completely different level and how do you leverage that technology to you know maximize the profits and and you know and, and the efficiency for different business industries and um you know here's here's an example i had a friend over who is an IT guy, right? He he manages a bunch of coders. And he said, he pulled up the computer in front of me and he said, I'm just gonna put in code this type of program. And he gave the instructions. And he and it, it came back and spit out the coding for that. And he looked at it and he said, Wow, this is pretty good. He said, you know what? My guys would probably need to tweak this, but this would probably save them hours because they would all of a sudden have a starting point to tweak yeah. from. That's a yeah. real I, life example in just one company. 
That's that's actually a good segue. So one of the things I like to talk about, I kind of, first of all, I explain to people, you're not going to be replaced by AI, but you will be replaced by people using AI. Right. And that's a, that's a very different mental model to how people are imagining these technologies. You know, there's a tendency to project into the future, kind of do Star Trek type uh, futurism and just, you know, imagine this uh, all in capable genie that can just do everything and replace entire systems. And at, at some point, you know, there's a different discussion about what's called artificial general intelligence, um, which may be, you know, a whole, whole different type of discussion. A better model is to think on how AI technologies can accelerate humans. There was a great article uh, by the New York Times uh, just a week or two ago, and the title was, brilliant titles, he said, it's not the end of work, it's the end of boring work. Mm-hmm. And because what these set of tools, especially that product, and, and there are more products in the market uh, besides that, especially that product is so good. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's like having an access to an expert on pretty much any topic you can imagine, but also that expert being able to talk to you at your level. And that's a big deal. The fact that you can literally tell, hey, can you explain quantum physics for me as a five-year-old, you know? Or, or That's a, crazy. A, like you can, you, first you say you could ask the question, like, can you explain quantum physics? And then you could change it. Hey, can you reword, reword this based on a five-year-old? That's and right. it, it, it'll and, change and, the wording. I mean, that's crazy. It'll change, it'll change the wording because it understands the semantic universe of a five-year-old and, and the grammar universe of a five-year-old. Uh, and also make it accessible in other ways. One, people, people don't know, people are not aware that right now ChatGPT has the single best machine translation product and it's basically free. Way in order of magnitude better than anything else. And it works. If you go to ChatGPT right now, you can type in Spanish and you can just use it in Spanish or Portuguese or French or German. Uh, it's incredible. Because for a computer, you know, a human language is just a language. It's not, like it, it's not anything you need. It's not different than computer code, right? It's just a language. And it's incredible at that. So you can make work accessible in not just different levels of comprehension, but different languages, different contexts. If you want to make it exciting, you can say, you know, can you explain quantum physics for me as a Jerry Seinfeld sketch? Can you explain, can you write a rap song about quantum physics? Like you can make things accessible in more than just the level of complexity, but the format and style, because that's really how we communicate, right? So when you go to, if I, if we did this interview right now in Hebrew, it wouldn't be a very effective interview, right? It doesn't mean that I'm not giving the right answers to your questions, right. but you're not understanding them because you don't speak. And, and you know what? I mean, that, that has a lot of applicability because it doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? I mean, if you are... Matter. If you've got five attorneys that you're going to talk to, right? Well, one yeah. attorney, the way they communicate with you may feel, you know, safer and the right person to work with That's right. versus the other four. And yeah. so they can use ChatGBT to help them to create the wording that matches with their style. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you another. I was just coaching an entrepreneur that I've been working with for a few years. And she has a tendency to be a bit, a bit too direct, you know, too straightforward. Uh, and, and some, maybe crass. And I'm like, listen. <laughs> maybe crass. Listen, let's, let's write what you want to say. 
in, in your normal way of saying it. Don't, don't edit yourself, okay? But go to ChatGPT, just write it. Just say, I'm angry at so-and-so, you should have done this, you should have done that, you know, just write, write it in free form. And then ask ChatGPT, can you rewrite this as an email, as a formal language or an informal, and you know, make it less, you know. Tone it down, make, make it, tone it a, down. a little softer. And by the way, and you can tell it, tone it down, soften it. You don't need to think about it like a programmer, like what are the right perfect words to say. Just use it as a natural language because that's what it's good for. And, and, and her emails, like her employee responses to her in the past couple of months have been incredible. She gets to say what she wants to say, but she gets to say it in a way that's productive for her team. Right, so just having another layer of changing how you communicate. And I'll give you an, an, a non-business example. I was with my son. I give this example all the time. Uh, four months ago, I'm with my son. And I'm uh, sitting on the couch playing Minecraft. He loves Minecraft. And he asked me, Dad, how do I get to the Woodland Mansion? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not. But, but as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, you know what? Hold on a minute. And I opened ChatGPT and I put it in Minecraft. How do I get to the Woodland Mansion? And sure enough, told me, yep, open the chat, forward slash locate, space, structure, space, mansion. I'm like, holy heck. And, and it worked. It was amazing. And same thing. My what, son did you, is, what did your son say to you? Well, he was just, you know, happy that his father, you know, saved the day. He doesn't have the inside of what No, but like he's, you know, like you got to win with your, with your son, you know? Well, I'll give you another, I'll give you another win. So I have, I have two boys and a girl. And my boys are, you know, Power Rangers, Minecraft, uh, uh, you know, uh, classic kind of uh, interests. And uh, at night, you know, I love to read them bedtime stories, but yeah, it's the same bedtime story, you know, whatever books we have. And, and now I go up and I also don't want to, you know, I don't have an hour every night to do. So I go up, open chat GPT and I say, write me a whatever children's story. I want a bedtime story. It's going to be 15 minutes. Make it exciting. Make it have, you know, at least two drama twists and make it a, a theme of Power Rangers and Minecraft. And my son's names are so-and-so. Make sure they're included as characters in the story. And within five seconds flat, I get a 15 minute, which is, you know, you talk, we speak about 150 words a minute. So it knows what 15 minutes is in speech, right? We read about 300 words a minute. We speak about 150. So I get the format that I want contextualized to the situation instantly. And that's a big deal. The fact that it's instant, right? It's not, you don't have to, for the same use case, if I had an employee that was an amazing, brilliant copywriter, and I call him, hey, John, can you write me a quick backstamp story? You're like, sure, yeah, but he get back to me after a few hours or after a few days, right? Right. The fact that it's instant unlocks the value that it's right now. Right. I can express myself and I get the turnaround right now. That's a very different value set than, can, now, can I write every day a children's story for 15 minutes with those? I'm like, yes. I mean, you can make it happen, but not in seconds right. until this type of product. So there's, like I said, if you're communicating, this is, this is a huge accelerant for you. Well, what I, I, the other word I loved that you said was productive. Like, you know, right. there are different people that are, you know, we've all heard the terminology that, you know, being, you know, insane is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, there was an example that you shared that person was able to, to use the same language that they're used to using, but they got different results because it softened it up. 
and That's and the receiver viewed it differently. That's right. Because again, language is about, you know, you're in your head. And as soon as you're talking to somebody else, you need to figure out how to talk to them. Starting with actual what language, literally. Uh, and then what style? Because, you know, you're, you talk differently to your to your friends and family and, and uh, friends, old friends from school and, uh, and different to a cashier and different to a business partner, different to a lawyer. Uh, the context is also, you know, if you're uh, uh, talking in a keynote at a big conference, very different than, you know, talking to a bunch of friends at home. So you change your style and tone all the time based on the context. And this being an assistive technology in that language space is incredible. And then the only missing pieces are more context, right? To make it available to you. You know, a lot of demos right now have these wearables, you know, in your uh, glasses or on your chest, whatever it is that, that have audio, they ingest the situation in real time. They give you the recommendation in real time, kind of like having an assist in your ear and it tells you, you know, how to say what to say um, at that point in time. So th these are all engineering problems. These are all just, how do you take the core technology that already works and you make it more accessible in the right cost and, you know, with the right, whatever, battery life and all these problems right. to make it relevant. Uh, but yeah, you change it all the time. And because it's a master at any language and any language style and format and tone and content, right. it, it, it will truly affect any single thing you do. And you want it to affect every single thing you do because it's going to make it better. So it's not going to make it worse. a couple other um, kind of use cases. So I've, I've heard people say, so with education, like, okay, yeah. kid, College kids, you know, they have to write a paper. Well, they've had the ability to write a paper, go to a, you know, um, you know, people that are a year or two above them and That's go right. to a workshop and have them, you know, edit it and they go back and massage it and make it better. And But now, hey, I want to write a paper on quantum physics and it pops out right away. And so some people think that, well, that's, bad because you know the the kid could write a paper right away um yeah i'm kind of of the mindset of well look it used to be where you know to your point of compute there were people that computed there were there were were people that like didn't want kids to have calculators right Correct. and now there are these calculators that are really intensive but these, you still have to know which buttons to press to get the answer. So right. how do you view that type of scenario? So education is, uh, is going to change profoundly. And Khan Academy just uh, had a major announcement last week of showing case, showcasing their, uh, I forgot what they called, uh, not Khan AI, Magi AI or something. Uh, incredible. So they've, they've basically had early access to GPT-4 since uh, last summer. And they've honed in an AI tutor that can not only understand what are your gaps based on your answers, but explain the concepts based on your level. Uh, which you see the demo. It's mind-blowing. And oh, really that's, question. That's huge. I mean, like, think, think somebody's, like, not good at math. Yeah. And they they're not good at anything. Yeah, but whatever their subject is, maybe they're really strong in four subjects and one subject, I'm just gonna pick math, is yeah. maybe they're not their their hot topic. And but yeah. you know, rather than have to wait or go ask a friend or you know, a, somebody that's more senior or a TA a or tutor. whatever, tutor or whatever, they could actually 
say, I don't understand this question. Well, it's, it's more than that. You and, see that, and this is a working product that works, like you can sign up right now and use it. It knows, it asks, it, it asks you a question, you know, to do something. You can certainly be proactive and already, if you know how to articulate your problem, that's a big difference, right? So if you know, here's what I don't understand, what I don't know, it's going to do a great job. But it can do something even better, which is it can ask you a question, it can see your answer, and based on your answer, it can deduce what concept are you missing, oh, wow. and then teach you that concept wow. or, or a sequence of concepts. Incredible. And education is a good example because most of modern education is based on this linear instruction of saying, here's a curriculum. I have kids in front of me without knowledge. I have teacher on the other side with knowledge, and I'm going to translate the thing that I know to their brains. And generally, it's linear in a sense that you have everything is in sequence. These are the, the types of lessons we're going to have every single week. This is how I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach it by, you know, articles or by quizzes or by, you know, whatever method you chose. Right. And however the teacher connects to, the, to his particular class, their particular class. Um, and it's incredibly antiquated. It's been antiquated for many years. And primarily, the, you know, the, that's more of a personal opinion. The, the biggest challenge with this education system as it is is that it's not focused on helping you think. It's focused on helping you memorize. Right. right? So growth memorization, and, uh, which goes to the issue of generally, well, if somebody's doing the work for you, do you know how to, how to think? Now, I think calculator is a great example. Uh, I remember when I was you know, taking math in high school, I had this book of all the um, tests in Israel that people had done for like graduation tests over the decades. And I saw the tests in the sixties and seventies that my parents took. And I'm like, Whoa, this is like way harder <laughs> than, than what I have. And they had to do it without a calculator at the time. Uh, so I'm like, Oh, that's super impressive. But you can't argue that using calculators, um, had took math backwards, right? It certainly took math forwards and made it more accessible to more people. Now, for the people that are really good at it, uh, they can do it without a calculator. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal because they're really good at it. They're passionate about it. I think assistive tools, just like Google, meaning if you had to find, uh, you know, when I was in school, I had to go to a library, right. to find stuff, right. To find information and, and, and use a copy scanner or whatever to get, get the copies of this page, you know, back home and highlight it and so on. And then, uh, because even Yahoo and Alta Vista at the time weren't great search engines. Most of the results were junk. And then Google came and suddenly it was, oh, a relevant experience. Also took the world by storm. And I'm saying this in quotes for people to listen because it took a few years to get adoption. It was a rapid adoption, but not a million in five days. Mm -hmm. uh, but now everybody has the Google muscle. Everybody knows that if they try to find a reference for something, some, some piece of knowledge, they go to Google or their favorite search engine, and, and they put in a keyword, and, and these search engines use their massive indexes to match this word, these words that you put in the, the search bar to something they have or something close to that. Uh, with these sets of technologies, because it can generate, it can create on the fly, they have a massive advantage over search engines. Because search engines are limited by their index. So will like, chat GPT or something like it replace search engines? So instead of saying Google it, you'll say chat GPT or whatever. So Google just yesterday, um, um, for the timing of this interview, Google yesterday in their IO conference announced their entire AI integration suite. And they've revamped, they had a product they've launched many years ago called Conversational Google, 
which was never good. Uh, so people don't are not aware. I think it launched in maybe 2013, something like that. So about a decade ago. But people, you know, did you hear about it? No. About conversation? No. Yeah. It's been around, though. Uh, but it was junk. So I, I think what's going to happen with search engines is by far, this is a trend that's been happening for a few years. So by far, you had this trend of search engines becoming answer engines. So instead of you putting in a query and then you go into clicking through a link and try to basically get a res resolution for your uh, question, um, Google already years ago, you know, if you search for a local business, you just get the local business listing. If you search for a product to buy, if it's in the index, you get the, the product and the price and the place and all the things. Same for flights. You know, you search for a flight, you just get the flight information, right? So you get the answer instead of clicking through. What is enabled right now, and that's what they demoed, is is just getting the, the, the digested answer within the search result page without you needing to go in. Now, that's already, that's, that's what Bing, you know, Bing had an incredible bet a few years ago, being the largest corporate investor in OpenAI. And Bing Chat is the first one that launched that experience, and it's an incredible experience. Like, it's way better than going into specific uh, links. Now, some parts of search are still very relevant, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. But I think because the experience is so better in giving you the actual final detailed answer, we, I, I, don't, I don't think the winner is ChatGPT, meaning to your question. Mm -hmm. the, the product winner, I don't think it's going to be ChatGPT. I think there are going to be other products that are going to win. But the experience that now everybody's expecting is going to win. And that's why you see it in Bing, you see it in Google, which is just give me, give me the answer. Right. Don't, don't make me go through these click hoops and, and try to figure it out myself. So I think for education, uh, the profound change is going to happen because, and it's going to happen very quickly, very rapidly. If the system right now is based on, we're just going to give you information in a linear way in sequence. And then the way we're going to make sure you know it, we're going to make you produce a knowledge product, right? An article, homework, whatever it is, answer a test, uh, questions and answers. That, that is going to have to get replaced very quickly. And I don't mean very quickly in a decade. I mean, very quickly within a year or two, because it's simply not relevant. When you, when you have access to these tools and you can produce a work product in an asynchronous way, meaning you're in classroom, somebody's giving you homework, and then you have a few days and come back right. with the result. Certainly when you can do it in a few seconds, it's completely irrelevant. So there's going to be a new, new philosophy or a new and old. You know, everything's probably going to go back to Socratic times, right? And Aristotelian methods. Of, of talking and, and actually making sure you know how to think and how to create, uh, as opposed to us using your ability to write an article as the yardstick. Right, no, that's huge. So let's take what we've been talking about with this AI and you know, how do, you know, if I'm a multifamily investor um, or I'm a syndicator, like how do I leverage this technology? Yeah, I think endless. And, and so, certainly for some, some activities, uh, so most indicators have, have some form of marketing, right? So the marketing might be in the form of creating a landing page, showcasing the deal, uh, ads, trying to get investors if you're, if you're doing like, you know, cold marketing. Uh, a lot of them do webinars, right? You can go to ChatGPT right now and say, hey, I'm a syndicator. I'm promoting this uh, multifamily deal. It's a three complex in Texas and... So-and-so uh, -and -so units, and here's the cap rate, and here's the maintenance costs, and here's how we found about the deal. And just do it in natural language. Don't be sophisticated about it. Just use your raw language, however poor advanced it is. doesn't matter. 
just use your own language. Just, you can even just go and on the website, on your phone, just use the you know, voice to text and just talk. Don't worry about being long. Don't worry about being not nuanced. Just vomit everything from your head into the system. And say, can you create a 60-minute webinar for me <laughs> containing all of this information? And it'll do it in four seconds. Wow. Um, and same for anything else you have. I, I need to write an investor update. Here are the top line numbers for this update, or here's the, you know, under contract, we, um, uh, we are negotiating with three banks, whatever it is. Just, again, raw information. Don't overthink it and say, I need to write an investor letter. Please make sure it's not too long. Uh, make it a little bit informal. Uh, and you know what? Uh, can you add a couple of tweets with it so I can use and, and post it on our on my Twitter or, or a Facebook group or whatever it is? And then it's going to add, you know, shorter uh, summaries of this and add, you know, uh, that's, icons. That's huge. Now, what about the confidentiality? So you're talking, you know, um, if you're, you've got a business and you're, you're actually, like you mentioned earlier, you can talk to it like it's your chief marketing officer, or chief technology yeah. officer, or whatever. Um, but if you're giving real financials information into it, yeah. you know, what are the confidentiality concerns that that information can get out someplace, you know, your private yeah. information? Yeah, let's review it. With, with the caveat for everybody, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on Zoom, <laughs> right? Uh, but I am, I am a practitioner and I actually work with a bunch of lawyers on this. So it's, it's a hot topic at any given point in time. And uh, there's interesting developments in the space in general. So first of all, from a um, pure technical, legal technical perspective on ChatGPT in particular, um, default terms of service of the product ChatGPT as, of, as they are right now, um, again, terms of service and privacy policy can change in a single day, in a single minute. Uh, is that every single thing you put in inputs or outputs is owned by you, but it can be used for training for the model. Just last week, or maybe two weeks ago, in the user interface, they actually added something in the setting that you can just opt out of that. So you still own the content and nothing is used by them for training. Uh, on the API side, it's, by, it's, it's the reverse by default. So by default, if you use the API, if you have a more of advanced use case, or if you have some developers helping you build, uh, it's, it's default opt-out from training, and you have to opt-in if you want to help basically improve the ecosystem. Awesome. That, that, that's for the product ChatGPT, and that, that is a satisfactory answer to the extent you trust the terms of service and privacy policy and corporate behavior. Right. right? In terms of pure technology, the technology is not Google. So when you put stuff in, and then it uses that content that it, you know, was trained on. So most people don't. Chat GPT is generative, generative pre-trained transformer. So it's pre-trained on something, and it generates because that's a generative. It's a transformer without getting too technical. That's the thing that turns something to something else, right? It transforms. Um, it's not like Google, where it scrapes the information and then piecemeals back a response. That's not how the technology works. So when you get a response from ChatGPT, it's not copy pasting from somewhere. Okay. It's, it's important to understand that. Like if you and I right now go to ChatGPT and put in the exact same prompt, we are not going to get the same answer. Which And we can, still, we can run that more. I'm really curious as to what the answer, how it works, because I'd still think that that's the, what it's got to do, right? And, no, I, I've, and I've heard that. Two people put in the same exact thing, they're going to get back a different response. Why? 
It's not doing that at all because if you think about, um, I mean, we can go technical if you want to. I don't want to go too technical. Just, just you yeah. know, if you can put it into so, everyday so language. You, what's what's interesting is that artificial neural networks work. It's it's quite a surprise to a lot of people that the original hypothesis of saying here's a neuron, here's a cell in our brain, right? And it, a neuron basically fires or not. It's one or zero, just like a computer, you know, bit. Uh, just like a computer works. And then you have synapses and dendrites, things that connect neurons and make them fire together or fire in a certain sequence. When artificial neural networks started working, like we saw that we can put something in a network as an input and get something as an output, it was like, oh, shit, <laughs> this actually works uh, like a brain. Now, the neural network that uh, obviously a brain is way better in, in so many different ways, but the, but the effect, you know, the thing that we, we, we think is, is thinking, uh, is like thinking, actually exhibits something we like. So when you put in a prompt, and a, a prompt, I don't necessarily love that frame because a lot of people uh, conflate prompt and question, right? They think about like Google, right? They think about like a query, like a question, but it's not. It's really a before and after. You put in a before, some kind of an address, and it puts in an after. It's like, well, given this before, what is the likely after? And that's really what it does. It, the base technology is guess the next best word, statistically speaking. Uh, and the next best word becomes the next best phrase, the next best pay, uh, you know, uh, paragraph, and so on and so forth. If I ask you right now a question that's a creative question, uh, you will also probably, every time we talk, uh, give me a different response because it's not about fact retrieval. And this is important to understand. These are reasoning machines. They're not fact machines. Okay. They're actually, it's a, it's a big problem right now that, that a lot of companies, including OpenAI, try to solve. When it gives you a response that is fact-based and not creative-based, right? Creative meaning there's no standard of truth. Uh, it's just a creative response. It could be any response. It's going to be, okay, chocolate or vanilla, that doesn't matter. Choose one of them. There's no right or wrong. Is only relevant or not for you, right? So it's a relevancy question, not a fact question. And they're trying to solve it. They're trying to figure out when they give you a response, how can, you, how can they give you reference as to how I came up with this response, right? Because if I told you right now, if you ask me, hey, give me the top 10, uh, you know, highest rent uh, rental markets right now that are 30 miles away from big cities, at least population of 300,000. You're asking for a fact. And it, it, one, it'll get, if I ask you this question right now, it'll give you an answer, a very confident one, and it'll order it in one through 10. But you actually have no idea if that answer is true or not. So the fact that it gives you an answer, it doesn't mean it's true. That's a limitation of the system right now, which is getting solved really every week with plugins and extensions and making the models better. And so on. now OpenAI, if you go to it, uh, if you had plugins already enabled and it works, you have Zillow. So now... When you put in a query and it understands this answer might be in Zillow, it actually goes to Zillow and gives you facts. And it tells you this came from Zillow. Oh, and man. So I love that example that you brought up because, I mean, you could just go into AI and say, hmm? what are the riskiest real estate markets valuations right now? And it, you don't sure. know whether it's right or wrong, but it could provide you, you know, a starting point to say, well, hey, I need to look at these, you know, do I have investments in my portfolio? Here's what you can do. You can ask it that, which is an abstract, you know, use the word risk, 
but risk for you is not risk for me, not risk for BlackRock, not risk for, you know, a, a first time investor. Right. And, but it's going to give you an answer. And then you can literally ask it, can you explain how you came up with this answer? Can you explain how you decided on risk for this answer? And then you can redefine risk and you can tell them, can you run it again and, you know, make the properties under this and under this value. And uh, I, I want to see, you know, properties that require less value add or more value add, you know, in the properties and so on. Because there are so many forms of risk, right? right? I don't want to see Section 8, whatever. Right. I don't want to see, you know, coastal um, options in Florida, whatever it is. There's so many forms of risk. That's, that's but that's true. the thing. And, and you clued in, right? It's a great writer's block. It's a great kindling for the thought process. And this is a good example of where the system is so valuable in a process that a human needs to synthesize the responses to the next step of action, whatever it is, as opposed to replacing the human for all the actions involved. Right. And normally, if you wanted to do that research, one, I've been writing copy for decades, but even now when my team asked me to write something, like a blog post or an email, I just it immediately gets stuck, you know, deer in the headlights. Now I'm trained and, you know, I can get myself over it. And, you know, what most writers do just kind of force yourself to write. But the fact that I can go in and, and do exactly that, just put it in four words. I'm like, ah, I need to write an email. And just that. And it'll write an email, you know, dear subject, you know, dear person, subject, name, place. So it'll just do something. And as soon as it does something for me to edit, I'm way faster at editing right. than I am at creating. Right. So having this, quick iterative process on research on creative work on whatever writing a writing anything again communicating anything writing anything just unlocks the writer's block it eliminates it and if it's writer blocks for again creative purposes like marketing whatever or just you know research right purposes because otherwise the amount of work you need intellectual work you needed to articulate you know the best result and the frame of the project is just so much you're going to abandon it because you become hungry or whatever. That's yeah, massive. Uh, you talked to me about a, a product because I was asking you, like, well, how are you using this technology and have you created any companies around it and any products around it? And you had mentioned this um, joinpulse.ai and that you were developing KPIs for different industries. And I just started thinking, like, wow, in, this, in our industry, you know, there's syndicators that might have 10 different properties. And, you know, what are the key performance indicators that they have and how could they get access to that quickly? So can That's you talk right. to that? Yeah, and thank you for mentioning that. Uh, so joinpulse.ai, it started with a very simple product that we built, started building a few weeks after um, ChatGPT launch. And... Uh, the original premise was like, wow, so many business owners have this, what we call implicit anxiety about how their business is doing. It started with just how much cash they have. And then, you know, how are the sales going or is anything going wrong? You know, and I, I think so many entrepreneurs share that feeling um, if they are running $100 million revenue businesses or 10,000 revenue businesses. You're just constantly thinking about it. Right. And so we started off creating a simple product where you can connect all your business systems and just get, you know, get it as a text message every day and uh, on your calendar every day. So you don't have to log into anything. And then we said, well, if we can get the data, let's give you insights on top of the data so we can be that watchdog. We can say, hey, uh, we noticed this recurring subscription or we noticed that, you know, rent is late. Something, some, something that you should probably, you know, we put a spotlight on and, and then it's up to you to figure it out. 
And once we created that, people asked, hey, can you add you know, Shopify for e-commerce people or Salesforce or my Facebook marketing spend? And so we ended up calling it Pulse, like keep a finger on the pulse of your business. And the core features is we say, now your KPIs have AI. So not only you can get those KPIs every day or every week or every month, you know, whatever cadence you want. And if you're the kind of person that wants to see one number every week, you can. And if you're the kind of person like me that wants to see 50 numbers every day, you can. So you, you decide on the level. Uh, my investors, for example, they get a monthly calendar feed with how much cash we have and what runway we have. Just two numbers. They don't need, you know, to see the, the payroll transaction, right? Um, and what we enable actually uh, just last week is now you can have a chat with those KPIs. So in the, in the product, if you connect your QuickBooks, you can have a chat with your financials as if it's a CFO. Same questions you would ask your CFO, how, you know, most profitable month. How, how's the balance sheet looking? Any big transaction coming up? Any um, age receivable that I should look at? Just same questions, natural language, and you could get answers. And if you connect your marketing systems, you can ask questions like a CMO. And if you connect wow. HR systems, you can ask marketing like a CHRO and All so right. on. And so, so this is just a thought that just came from, from what you were saying. Like, look, in the last number of years, I've, I've heard you know, many, many business people talk about you know, leveraging, say, virtual assistants, right? Yeah. And how can you do that? And, and, and there's people that just, you know, they swear by it, like it's just improved their business dramatically. Mm-hmm. But then what you're saying right here is like, you could actually have highly intelligent conversations <laughs> in different aspects of the business with, you know, a reasoning machine that, comes back with instant feedback. Instant feedback and unlimited context, because unlike a human, humans are amazing at reasoning, right? We're, we're incredible. Uh, but we can't keep context like computers can, because computers can always remember everything and keep it in frame. Um, so the fact that you can have access to this incredible reasoning machine that has endless context and instant uh, is incredible. Like, like anything in life, like any communication, the quality of the communication is to the extent that, that you know how to articulate uh, what you're looking for, right? You would never go and talk to a copywriter or a CFO and say, how's it going? <laughs> you know, uh, give me my books, you know, tell me about my financial. It's just too abstract. Like you're going to immediately get some kind of a clarifying question, right? Well, what do you mean? Uh, what date range? Like, what do you want to do? When do you want to do it? Uh, do you want a, you know, a one-liner answer? Do you want a page? Like you need to clarify. So if you get good at articulating your thoughts and your intent, right, and understanding what, what is this, the thing that you're looking for, being very good at, uh, at asking, um, and not, again, not just questions, and, and maybe that's one last topic we can talk about on, on how to think about AI in those forms, then you're going to get really, really, really good responses. I'm working with a pilot right now with a manufacturing company on helping them figure out how to better have access to their data in real time with a couple of medical practices, uh, enabling the doctors and the nurses uh, to do their job better again, because uh, they're very good if they get the right information at the right time. But if they're not, they're not very good. They're not very you know, productive. Um, and we can talk about, there's a concept I'd love to share, maybe if we have a couple more minutes. Well, the, we were, I know you have a time frame, so I, I would say if, you know, one, if you can share, like, 
what do you look for? I know that you're very curious and you like to partner on different opportunities. And, and so what do you look for in that type of opportunity? What, you know, what are the types of people and opportunities you're looking for? Yeah. So most of my, you know, I've, my, my best businesses um, have been uh, joint ventures with other entrepreneurs. My, my special skill set is integrating this world of uh, CTO, CMO, and being on the forefront of whatever technology it is with, with knowing what to take advantage of and what to ignore. Because a, a lot of things, people have a tendency to kind of accelerate in their mind because they have very good imaginations, but they think the future is closer than what it is. And in some cases, they don't appreciate how fast things are moving, you know, in other cases. And I have developed a pretty good objective way of taking action on these type of bleeding edge technologies. And what I'm generally looking for is people that are really good at whatever they do. Uh, they have a unique insight to a pain in their industry. And the pain doesn't have to be super sophisticated, but it has to be unmet, you know, unanswered. And the pain could be novel, meaning nobody had answered it, or the pain could be because it, it was answered, but it's extremely expensive and it's cost prohibitive. And because it's cost prohibitive, uh, it's not as accessible to as many clients. So then they share the pain. Maybe they have an idea for a product, but I'm, I love to think about those solutions as well. So as long as they have an insight to the pain and they can be a good first client because they can, uh, the pain is something painful that they actually spend money on ideally. And then we partner up, we build a company together and we grow it together. And uh, my frame is I, I'm not looking for another job, right? right? I'm an entrepreneur. I love building companies. So we build a company together and then like I said, we, we take it off the ground, but then we staff it. You know, somebody's going to uh, CEO it and, and maybe the partner will CEO it because that's what their next thing is going to be. Or maybe we just find somebody to, to grow the company. Uh, so I love that. I love, I'm very industry agnostic. I have projects in pretty much any industry you can think of. Um, medical, legal, fintech, real estate. Um, you know, we can talk two hours about small nuclear manufacturing if you want. <laughs> nuclear reactor manufacturing, if you want. Um, so I'm very indifferent to what it is. I'm, I'm more clued in on who's the partner. Right. Are they a great person to work with? Uh, are they kind? You know, I have a big, big no-asshole rule <laughs> in how I do business. Uh, is the opportunity interesting? Like, if it's not very interesting if it makes another $500,000 a year, right? I'm, I'm looking for the, the big one, but I don't need a $500 million a year either. Mm -hmm. uh, and is it impactful? Is it like truly when people... In the market, hear about it. They're like, I want it. I need it. And if yes, then I'd love to hear from you. You know, find me on LinkedIn. Um, very easy to find me on LinkedIn. So, so do they just look up your name on LinkedIn? Is that the best way for people to reach out to you? That's it. LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash Lior Weinstein. That, you'll find me. There you go. So what do you like to do outside of work for fun? And now you've got three. Well, you've got have, a family and you've got three little yeah, ones. So. Kids that I love, we travel a ton, a ton. We have a big RV. We love RV travel. We fly together all the time. If it's for you know usual suspects like that, that was one of the the common denominators. Was that was right. we both love the RV lifestyle. So yeah, we have a similar size RV as well, like classy. Yep, push. Um, so we do RVing. We fly to you know usual places like a Disney, and we fly to cool places like Hawaii or Africa or whatever it is. So we travel a lot and love traveling with them and sharing that experience with them. 
you know, three kids with the car seats and all the luggage. So travel days are not great, but then you get somewhere cool. So it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, and then different activities that, you know, I love spending time with my wife. We love trying, you know, new food places, new movies. We're big movie fans. And when I'm in Hawaii, I love snorkeling and scuba diving and surfing, kind of those type of water activities. Not so much those in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. <laughs> right. Hawaii, Costa Rica, whatever. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this. I mean, this AI world is, is fast growing um, and it's going to impact all of us one way or another. And I, you know, I think if I was to wrap up what you said is, is that, you know, look, you're going to be looking for people that know how to leverage this technology to do their jobs better. And it's, yeah. it's all facets of the business. It's all levels of the business that can improve their performance and be more productive because they're able to use this technology. So, yeah. I, the last tip I would give yeah. people, use it like a conversation. Use it with another, like you would talk to another person. Go at it. Don't, don't edit. Don't try to be too short. Uh, it, it'll respond to whatever you give it. But the easiest way is if you actually just have a conversation with it and see what it does back. If personal, professional, it doesn't matter. That's huge. Um, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Until uh, next week, sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 